Welcome to the Nature-backed podcast of Single Earth. In this series, we are talking with investors about their visions of the new green world. My name is Tarmo Virki, and in this episode, I am talking at Latitude 59 startup conference with Isabel Fox from Outsized Ventures. But first, a message from our sponsor. Hey there, I hope you're enjoying the Nature Back podcast. I'm Merit, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Single Earth, and we're a team of more than 70 people building a nature-backed economy. And if that sounds crazy enough for you, then join us. Sign up at single.earth to be among the first to get access to our nature-backed tokens. And let's talk more on our Earthsavers Discord channel. Enjoy the show. Welcome, Isabel. Thanks for finding time for us at the Nature Backed podcast. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, Tell us a few words about Outsized Ventures. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we founded last year, so this is our first fund. Uh, three partners based out of London, actually one in Lisbon. Um, and our whole remit is deep tech, so trying to back founders that are going to have a big impact on the world for the better. Um, and we believe a lot of that will come from science, technology-led businesses. Um, we back companies at Seed Plus, so we're a bit different to everyone else. We're not coming in on the usual rounds. We like to come in between rounds, um, get to know founders when they're sort of at pre-seed and seed. And then essentially, um, you know, when we get conviction that they're a 1% founder with a big opportunity, that's when we like to invest. Mm-hmm. And that's across, you know, like I, I guess our main areas would be um, food, life sciences, but not therapeutics, healthcare, uh, sustainability, clean tech. Um, and then we like things, you know, which have um, like compute power, quantum edge, which can sit across sort of multiple different sectors, but we think will have a big impact. What's this seat plus round? <laughs> yeah, it's quite unusual, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of anywhere between a week after seed to a week before series A. Um, essentially, we, we, we just give ourselves more time to get more data set on a founder. Um, so at Seed and Pre-Seed, we're trying to identify who we think are the, like, the top 10% founders doing interesting stuff. And then we typically like to sort of, you know, have regular conversations, interactions with them, see how they're developing, how their team is growing, how they execute on the plan. And once we get conviction that we actually think that we're a 1% founder and we want to back them, we kind of move very, very quickly then to see if we can put an investment in of sort of anywhere typically of one and a half to two and a half million. Um, So we're often creating rounds, but the founders we want are the ones that don't need us and don't want us, um, where we're kind of having to persuade them that actually, you know, we can help and they should take our money. It's probably that time now in, uh, you know, approaching mid-2020 and looking at the world economy, there are probably more and more people who actually look for capital between the rounds, right? I think so. Like, um, my theory is that even, like, the really good deep tech companies, in Europe, they're not getting as much funding as the US and they're on quite a tight seed, typically, to get to the inflection points for Series A. So, you know, I think, you know, most founders are quite open to taking a little bit more cash. And I think the world, as it's heading at the moment, there won't be that many boards that will say, no, don't take an extra one, two million um, at this stage. So 
I, I hope actually the timing is going to work quite well for us because there's some brilliant founders out there um, and I think the market is going to get tougher. So hopefully we can help those realize their, their ambitions. Mm. The uh, one year into the fund, how many investments you've made already? Yeah, so we actually only closed, we did our first close just before Christmas um, and we've done three investments since, so since, since January. Uh, not, not rushing it? No, um, definitely not. For us, it's um, you know it's a fairly concentrated portfolio. The the, the models twenty five companies, which you know isn't isn't a huge amount in this venture game. So it's very much for us about getting conviction around uh, the opportunity, the founder, um, and all, and also making sure that you know the valuation we're going in at is the right the right valuation. Mm. Turning a little bit more towards the kind of main topic of the podcast series, uh, deep tech and environment. How much you're seeing the kind of traction in the kind of any climate or environment related to deep tech startups? Yeah, I think there's lots, as you know. I think um, I think that's driven partly by I don't think people want to work at Google or Twitter anymore. And actually, I think as we were discussing before this podcast started, I think people want to do stuff that's going to have a purpose and an impact. So you're finding, I think, more and more great talent wanting to address some of the world's greatest challenges we have. So I think, you know, that's the first thing. You're seeing more founders wanting to find solutions to our problems. So um, we're definitely seeing an increase in uh, fabulous people trying to work through, whether that's carbon counting, whether it's, you know, sustainability projects which they think can get off the ground and you're definitely seeing a lot of academics and obviously the research coming through as well as to different solutions for various things whether that be fusion or using space to um, improve the, our own planet. Mm -hmm. uh, space is something which has also popped up on many environment projects recently. Yeah we're seeing lots um, you know, everything from space manufacturing, um, which I think is super interesting, just what we can produce in space that we can't make down here and what that potential is. Um, obviously, mining and um, what we could take from the planet. Um, I think, you know, and I think just sort of taking more of that out of our own planet and up into space you know hopefully would have a benefit to to us here mm. how do you see the um, the kind of this um i would say climate emergency having a impact on the kind of startups mind or maybe maybe investors mind yeah look for me it's not a trend it's something we just have to fix mm. um i think it has become trendy but I think most people that are looking at it are looking at it from a long-term patient perspective and that we need to address this. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I still think more money um, will come into the area. I don't think we're like at full capacity of what, what mm. we need to do mm. or where that money will come from. But I think, you know, for now, you're just seeing... Um, uh, you know, for, for me, it, it sort of leads with the quality of the founders and the ideas and what we're trying to build and the money, you know, will be there for great founders, as you know. And, and mm. I think that's starting to happen. Mm. But we need to obviously speed up um, what we're doing in order to save our planet. Mm. What can be done to speed up? 
I think it's everything from policies, which, you know, I think we're starting to see that. The UK is obviously um, pushing a number of initiatives on regulation. Regulation is obviously one big area that p pushes people to have to make a change. Um, policies, incentives, regulation, government funding into this area. I don't think it's all just going to come from venture capitalists, as we know. Um, the, 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 this hasn't always been the most uh, like returns uh, mm. driven area. Mm. So, mm. you know, I think it has to be backed by governments. Mm. Corporates need to do more. Mm. Us as the general public need to do mm. more. Yeah, the, uh, I think also the kind of classical VC investment uh, cycles, the, uh, the sector is, is a bit challenging, uh, to put it politely, right? It is. Like a lot of it's going to take much longer than a mm. typical fund of a 10 and, ten and two year type mm. of mm. Uh, fund structure. So I think, you know, for me, it is about um, that joined up approach coming from all different avenues mm. Mm, absolutely uh, the government has or let's say the, the government the, the governments have been playing key role in the climate uh, you know, actions for quite a while is this something more the kind of government level could be done um, I think there's always more <laughs> <laughs> that's true I think, yeah. I think we always want more across whether mm. it's sustainability or health in the UK or whatever it might mm. be. I think we all feel education. Mm. There's always more that can be done. Mm. Um, I think it is just about um, setting targets mm. and, you know, forcing some of that change to happen. Mm. Um, some of the... Uh some of the big change uh, happening happens through big corporations who a lot of them have made some kind of commitments to become uh, carbon neutral or uh, by 2030 and yeah. something like that. My cynical me has been thinking that one of the best business ideas must be to buy up carbon credits and then sell them in 2029 to the big corporations. When everyone's desperate. <laughs> exactly. There must be the point where, you know, I mean, it always happens the way that people on the last minute understand that they don't actually have enough. So there must be the kind of the market squeeze happening in the late 2029 so everybody can tell to their investors that... Uh, they hit the target. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think, um, you know, like you definitely hear from corporates that they're looking at it. But I don't even think many of them actually have a strategy yet. They're, you know, they're working through the plans with the consultants. And um, and actually, when you start to look at what the costs will be to go carbon neutral by 2030, you know, they've got to make significant investment to get there, uh, mm. of which, I mean, you know, I'm not... Uh, I, I'm seeing sort of the start, but I'm probably like you. I'm not seeing them make that, that full big commitment of quite a few... 100 mm. millions in some cases mm. to sort of drive that. So I think you will, I think you will be right. I think there'll be a panic right at the end and mm. um, people then wanting to sort of see how they can get out of it rather than necessarily fulfill that obligation. Fixing the problem, right. Mm. Uh, and uh, looking at the, also at the, the war in Ukraine and how some of the, I don't know, German or French companies especially have been really dragging their feet with uh, getting out of Ukraine, getting out of Russia. Uh, 
I think you know, it kind of shows that yes, corporates have very high positive agendas, but you know, eventually money matters, and they are not in a rush to spend it, you know any time, any extra pennies on anything. Yeah, I think that's the problem with corporates. Mm. They're, they're they're very good at writing a a report every year that says about their ESG or their their, their great. Mm. Um, contribution, but actually on the ground, I think it can be quite different when you're driven by quarterly results and uh, if you're public listed, obviously the scrutiny of analysts and investors and shareholders. So, you know, I, you know for me, it is definitely, you know, the corporates need to do more. Mm. Um, as I mentioned, the, the uh, Ukraine, Russia's war on Ukraine, the uh, Europe has been kind of making decisions of, uh, or at least being pushed towards decisions towards you know, energy independence or at least cutting the cutting the cord to Russia. Yeah. Do you think this is having a huge impact on the kind of uh, energy sector startup scene across Europe, or do you see any of that yet? Um, it's not a space that we know particularly okay. well, um, so I'm probably not the best person. I've definitely seen like the startups, you know, that there's a number of sort of fusion startups out of Oxford University. Mm. Um, and, you know, I have seen, you know, there's big rounds coming together on those, like seriously big cash going into them, which, um, and that's a mix of sort of corporate venturing, um, government as well. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I do think that some of those projects will get probably more funding than they previously would have done just mm. because people are starting to look at alternatives and making sort of scenario plans as to mm. how to diversify. So um, that, that, that's my periphery view of what's happening. Mm. I, I, you know, I don't cover it as much as I probably should, but I've definitely seen, you know, that some of the alternatives in the UK market are starting to get some, you know, fairly substantial funding coming through. Mm. If you or when you travel these days around European startup events, I'm sure Latitude is not the only one. Uh, what do you kind of, um, you know, touching the pulse of the startup market? What do you see? Yeah, um, look, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I always love those VCs that have a thesis and can, you know, look into their magic ball and, you know, make predictions and, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily think I'm I'm one of those I think I'm much more driven by meeting you know I think I've got a great muscle memory on what a good founder looks like so mm. I'm always when I come to places like this I'm always really interested in just talking to founders about what problems they're solving because I mm. think you know they're far better at identifying where the opportunities are what needs to be fixed and you know the, the, you know, the ideas that they come up with so I've been like super interested in just, you know, the, the work around blockchain here, lots around sustainability, um, metaverse, crypto, like it's been fascinating. And you're always learning from great founders as to where markets mm. and where opportunities are going. So, you know, for me, that that's the real, that's the really interesting part of coming and traveling around Europe. Mm. And then the other is just meeting other VCs and, hearing you know what what they're interested in what the market's currently like mm. um and you know what what's going to be happening over this next 18 to 24 months because i think you know it's definitely going to be a, a tough time for people on an individual level but also 
for the startups and the world that we we live in. Mm. What's the why it's going to be tough times? Um, I think it's going to be tough for, you know, obviously we've just got so much uncertainty in the world at the mm. moment, as you touched on, the war, supply mm. chains are obviously, you know, a real mess, inflation's growing, um, we've obviously had a number of SPACs in the US and public markets have now come off substantially, mm. and you know, talking to the US VCs over the last couple of weeks, it's really coming off there. So. Early stage, not so much. There's less mm -hmm. sensitivity around valuation and funding companies. But from Series B upwards, certainly valuations have been coming down. Uh, VCs have been, you know, making sure that their own portfolios are well well funded to survive 36 months. Mm -hmm. um, and and you know, co cost cutting has started across those big portfolios. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think we're probably lagging in here in Europe. I would say we we could be we could be a quarter, we maybe even be two quarters behind the US and some of that mm. sentiment. But as you know, often it's driven by sentiment mm. rather than actual yeah. often realities. So, mm. you know, I suspect that we're we're just gonna see tougher times ahead. Mm. Um, I don't think we're going to see well, you know, obviously the crunch based data from Q1 showed a slowing down mm. in deep tech investments. Mm. Um, it was still, in fact, higher than 2020. It just wasn't. It was down on the 2021 figures. Mm. Um, but I suspect that slowing down from being here, talking to European VCs, everyone's still investing, but they're just not going to be deploying at the pace that we have been the last mm. two years. And, you know, going to be, you know, even more careful on valuations and who we back. Mm. And that, that starts to have an effect. Mm, absolutely, um, step by step. Yeah, so you know, my my advice to founders has been, you know, watch 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 the cash burn. Mm. Uh, get prudent on that. Try to mm. increase your runway to thirty six months, so you have the have the luxury mm. of time, um, mm. and hopefully the world may have stabilized sooner mm. than we think, and mm. we might be able to come out of this. Mm. Is there many startups which have a thirty six month uh, runway? There haven't been, mm -hmm. um, and you know, talking to the U.S. VCs, some big ones last week, you know, as as they were saying, they were seeing portfolios coming out twice in a year to raise money, mm -hmm. but even they were saying, you know, they want to see thirty six months now of runway, and you know, companies well funded to be able to survive that mm -hmm. long. So that that's a big shift because I Absolutely. mean, twenty four months was a lot, and in the last. You know, in this last sort of couple of years, we've been quite happy to see sort of 12 to 18 months. Exactly. Um, so that's the sort of shifts that I think you're seeing. And that's from, you know, top VCs over in the US. I think that's the sort of that's the sort mm. of dialogue we're going to be starting to have here. Mm. What's the positive uh, thing to kind of uh, wrap up, not to not to kind of finish on a, on a somewhat cautious or negative note? Yeah, look, good founders will always get funding. Um, and, you know, I think being tight, being focused is not a bad thing. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I, I always think that it's about being savvy. It's about being um, prudent uh, and nimble. Um, and great founders will do that. Then, you know, they will they will look at the market conditions. They'll make 
make their plans, uh, decide on what milestones they're going to hit, mm. um, and probably tighten their belts to get there. But, you know, in all honesty, there's plenty of money in the world still, as we know. Um, I think the deep tech is counter-cyclical to mm. probably some of the more riskier e-commerce, consumer-type plays, which will probably get affected more. I think the stuff that we're backing and the stuff that you like is mm. big plays that have a huge impact on the future of society. And, you know, that's not going to change much today. Uh, so, you know, for me, actually, in deep tech, I think it's a great time to be investing. We still got the problems in the world. We still need to solve them. Um, and these opportunities are huge that, you know, even if we have a two year bad, bad period now in the macro economy, mm. they're going to come through the other side very, very strong. Mm. So. And the kind of urgency is uh, actually getting you know worse day by day. So the need to invest and uh, create the solutions is, is growing. Uh. Absolutely, and we need them. So, mm. um, and I think you know, obviously, we get our money from limited partners, whether mm. that's institutions or family offices, and um, so many people are behind making this change that. Mm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm truly believing, you know, naively or not, that deep tech is actually a, a great place to be investing still, obviously mm. from the LP perspective, but also as a GP into the founders that can drive us positive change. Mm, absolutely. Good. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you. Join us again for the next episode. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please give us a good rating and leave the feedback in your podcast player so others will find it too. We will be back next week. Turn on to Nature Back Podcast. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Yes.